Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. I just got to tell y'all, as I'm getting started, uh, we're in week three of a series called Legacy. If you haven't been here, I need y'all to know that's the living water of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Only three of y'all got it. Maybe you'll get it later. It's actually just Sam's brand, everybody. But... Y'all are too tight, man. That's funny. Y'all can go hee hee or whatever you want to do. But listen, I'm excited because this series is called Legacy, and I'm, I'm teaching you about seed because maybe it's a little bit different than you're used to, but it's not just seed. It's not just seed. It's what happens when it hits you. It's what happens when it leaves your hand, and, and it's what you leave behind. Actually, the definition is a heritage or an inheritance. Did you know that all of you who are followers of Jesus have a great inheritance? You are heirs you are, the Bible says you're joint heirs with Jesus. That means that, that we have, we are co we, we have the rights to see things and to do things and to watch Jesus do unbelievable things. But, but we don't really believe that because we sit silent. Here's why we challenge y'all. I just want to say this and then I'm going to get started. The reason we challenge y'all to push through is not so that you'll start screaming and yelling and act silly. That's silly. I'm not into silly. The, God is not the God of chaos, but the God of order. So we don't, we're not trying to manipulate you into a chaotic moment. We're trying to help you understand that we feel what you feel. And sometimes we don't feel like it. And today is one of those days. I feel heaviness. I feel burden. And when the countdown hits zero and your bass player gets a call and says, you better come here because she's going into emergency cesarean, you don't feel like, well, praise God. You feel like, oh, my gosh. But something amazing takes place when the enemy comes against. And that's not necessarily the enemy. That could just be bad timing. But I need you to know everything that comes against you is to get you silent. Because if Satan can silence the church, he's won half the battle on the front end. Our voices, our worship, our love for people. It's how this world will know that we are his and that he loves them. And he wants you to sit as a spectator on the sideline and say, they'll get it. They got it. They got it covered. I just need to do my thing. They got it covered. We are the body of Christ. And he is waiting on a body, a group of people to actually believe that and rise up and do what we can do. And so I need you to know that the title of this message that I'm going to hit in just a second is going to be shown through this verse that I'm about to show you in. Genesis 38. I don't want you to turn there. I want you, if you want to turn in your Bibles, turn to Matthew 13, and I'll be there in just a couple minutes. Matthew chapter 13 is what I'm going to actually preach from. But I want to teach you for just a minute on seed and show you what I think the problem is. So everybody look this way. Genesis 38. In this story, Onan's brother had died, which left a void. And in the Old Testament, if I had a brother, I was responsible for taking my brother's kids, my brother's wife, and then reproducing so his, his legacy would continue, his heritage would keep going. And so this is what it says. Judah, who was the prophet, said to Onan, go into your brother's wife and perform your duty as your brother-in-law to her. 
Take her as your wife. You are now the husband and raise up offspring. Everybody say offspring. Or seed for your brother. Onan knew that the offspring or the seed would not be his. So when he went into his brother's wife, he wasted his seed on the ground in order not to give his offspring, or excuse me, in order not to give offspring to his brother. But what he did was displeasing in the sight of the Lord. So God took his life as well. And the title of this message is Don't Waste Your Seed. I need you to listen to me as I get started. Everything that the enemy is trying to do, listen to me, listen. Everything that the enemy is trying to do to you is to get you to waste your seed. All he wants to do is distract you, frustrate you, and get you to waste your seed. And there are many different kinds of seeds, and I'm going to show you in just a second. But if I can just get you angry at your brother, because your brother's about to get the credit for what you're about to do. And so you say, well, I was going to go into that and I was going to be faithful and I was going to be obedient and do what God called me to do. But if my brother is going to get it, if y'all ever played sports, then you won't be silent real quick with me. Y'all know the teammates that you had that they wanted to get theirs, right? They didn't care if we won. They wanted to get theirs. Now talk to me. That drove me crazy. Who cares if you get yours if we, if we lose? But if we win, I don't care if I get mine. I want to win. And, and that is the problem with the church today, y'all. We so want to voice our opinion to tell the other side, Republican or Democrat, that they're wrong. If y'all aren't tired of the stinking commercials on TV right now, good gracious almighty, I don't give a rat's behind which side you like at this point. I just want them to stop. Get here Wednesday in Jesus' name, somebody. And we so want our voice to be heard, but our voice is completely skewed because the enemy's got us trapped into believing that our opinion is what really matters. If you're a Christian, if you're not, just stay with me. If you're a Christian in this room, the only opinion that matters, I'm not saying you can't have fun. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do fun things or have things. Or, that's not what I'm saying at all, but this is the deal, y'all. The only opinion that really matters and the only thing that we do that really matters is what have we done with Jesus and then as a result, what do we do with him every day? And if the only thing that I care about is what I accomplish or, or that you might get the credit, if Austin gets the credit, man, I can't do it. I'm not letting him have mine. Then what are we doing? We're wasting our seed. We're no different than owning. And we think that's a funny beginning because it's talking about human seed. But I'm telling you, that is one example. Just look at that, that picture. The reason that the internet and your, and your phones, man, I'm talking to mostly you. The reason we have so much trouble with lust is because the enemy wants to take what is your rightful seed and he wants to skew it and sexual sin becomes a problem. And the reason that all these other things in our life, gossip, is a huge problem because your words have weight and they're powerful. And God saves people, listen, through your words oftentimes. But if I can get you to gossip and I can get you to hate your brother or sister, I can get you to look at people that are doing things that you don't understand because they're not the same color as you or they don't vote the same as you. As long as I can get you to separate yourself and segregate the church, then we've got it covered already and we're half one before we even get out the door. The enemy is winning this battle and it is not a Republican and Democrat battle. It is a church battle. We are segregated. We hate other denominations. We hate people that don't look like us. And then we say this, God, come quickly. We need you. He came 2,000 years ago. He died on a cross. He left 
his seed for us and he is waiting on a group of people that will stand up and say, I will not sit on the sideline. I will participate in worshiping Jesus with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and all my strength. I'm preaching way better than y'all are talking to me in this place. Come on. Woo! Here we go. I want to show you. I'm trying to calm it down, put it back into third gear, everybody. I want to show you some examples of seed. Look at this. He's trying to get you to waste your seed. The first one is money. We're going to go through these quick, but I'd love for you to take notes and at least put the reference down. Look at this. We put this, by the way, in all of your worship guides. One of our 10 core values is we will be cheerful givers at four points. And immediately when you say money, like half the church closes their ears down. I'm just going to be real with this, this group, more than I was even with the last one. I get excited to preach about money. Listen to me. I get excited to preach about money. Here's why. God has a great plan for what he has given you, but we have to get to the point where we begin to understand that he's given it to me. That Y'all said the Holy Ghost is now here. God has given every single seed that I'll ever have to me that is good seed. Don't miss that because there's another one that can give me seed too. We're going to get to him in a second. But when it comes to my money, when I begin to look at it with the proper perspective, then everything shifts from what do I have to to what do I get to. And God, what will you do? Never manipulation. Never, ever manipulation. When you hear preachers preaching that if you give $10, you will receive 1000 back, run for the hills because they don't get to decide that. God does. But I don't know when, but I know his promises, and I'm about to show you because it's good stuff. And he says, this is the point. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Sows what? Money. Seed. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap. Try it one more time because six of you said, we'll also reap. Praise the Lord. Each one must give as he or she has decided in your own hearts. Hearts is a big word. I'm telling you, we're going to hit heart hard at the end of this message. But I need you to know it's a heart problem. Not a seed problem, everybody. Each one must decide what we've given, what we, wow. Each one must, must give as he or she has decided in our own hearts because he doesn't want a reluctant or compulsive giver. I'm just doing this because if I don't, the preacher's going to be mad at me. The preacher, I'm, I'm telling you the God's honest truth. I don't know what you've given. I do not know what you've given. We have high-level leaders that know, but I've decided that they can tell me the total and I don't want to know the individual because I don't want to judge you based on what you give or love you based on what you give. So I don't ever get to know. I sign a card when you, when you give for the first time, and I thank you for giving for the first time. I'm honored for your generosity because I believe that you are. But I need you to know this. I don't love you because you give. I love you and I want you to receive all that God has called you to receive and do all that God has called you to do. And that is why I love you, not because you give money to this house. Because if you give out of compulsion or reluctantly, ugh, you don't get to be a cheerful giver in that same breath. And look, you miss the point that God is able to make all grace abound to you, meaning all favor. Grace is not passive and slow and sitting there going, oh, I don't know who I'm going to give it to. He's waiting with a basket that is so much bigger than our minds can comprehend. It's, it's bigger than this universe, ready to pour it out on his church. But he doesn't do it if he can't trust us. And the point is not so that I can have MTV Cribs. Some of y'all don't even remember that, but if you do, say, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. That's not my point. I'm not saying your house is not a problem. I'm just saying that's not my point. My point is that he does what Paul said here. 
So that having all sufficiency, all ability to do all things at all times, that I may abound in every good work, everything that he's called me to will be fully funded. Why? Because he can trust me with that little bit that I've been faithful with. As it is written, he, y'all better get this because this is big. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply. And what's that word? My seed and your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of my righteousness and your righteousness. But this is the point. I'm not the supplier of the seed. I'm the distributor of the seed. He supplies the seed. He supplies the bread. In the feeding of the 5,000, when the little kid had five loaves and two fish, the disciples didn't supply the bread. They distributed it when God gave it to them in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, we got five loaves, two fish. He prayed, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples. And you can imagine being one of them and having one loaf of half of a loaf of bread right in your hand and like the ear of a fish, even though they ain't got an ear. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Two fish in 12 ways, six to click, click, and it's awkward, right? And I've got this little bit of a tail, and I'm supposed to do something with this tail. And then in faith, you're like, I don't have much. God, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, I'm going to give it to you because you're the only one that I can see out of the thousand that's in my circle. And then when you do, you all of a sudden have a lot, and you start giving. And they're like, why is this growing? I haven't done it. This is crazy. It's because God is the supplier of my seed, and I'm just the distributor. And when I look and say, God, I only have 100. I can't give 10 because I can't even pay my bills. That's how much you believe in your God. But as for me, I know what I ain't got. Someone needs to talk to me up in this place. But I also know what God has done every time I've been faithful. And it blows my mind, y'all. He wants to silence you and he wants to keep you on the sideline so that you are not active and chasing after the God who loves you and saying, God, I don't know why I've gotten in this position. I'm not been faithful with everything I've done, but starting today, I'm drawing a line in the sand and I will be faithful with the seed that you've given me. I don't care if you make $100, be faithful with that and watch God work in your life. Come on, somebody. And you will be enriched in every way. Someone say every way. I just need to know. Maybe y'all won't participate with me. If you won't, I'm not mad at you for long. I need to know. That was good. I need to know who does not want to be enriched in every way. I'm going to throw this at you if you raise your hand. Just kidding. I want to be enriched in every way from the Lord. Not in some ways, not in a little bit, in every way. Not to manipulate God. I'm doing this, so you better do this. I don't get to decide that. I'm not the distributor. Excuse me, I'm not the supplier of the seed. I just get to distribute it out when it hits my hand. So if God waits one year, then God waits one year. That's on him. And he knows when I'm ready for it to hit my hand. But he also knows my heart that's more important. My hand is just a picture of my heart. I'm preaching already. I'm not supposed to be. To be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us, this does not say through him. This is crazy. He is the supplier. But when you distribute it, it produces thanksgiving to God. Did y'all hear that? You and your faithfulness produce thanksgiving to God from them out there. And they begin to look at you and say, what is wrong with them? They're crazy. The next seed is the Bible. The Bible, the Word of God. Here's the problem with the Bible, y'all. We look at the Bible and we say, that is a book that is 2,000 years old. A lot of it's a lot older than 2,000 years old, but the New Testament is about that old. It got put together by these old dudes that got together in 325 A.D. And they made it one book with 66 
individual books in it that are, it's, a, it's an ancient artifact. I've heard all these arguments, y'all. People love to argue about the Bible and why do you believe? You don't have to believe the whole Bible. That's because you don't look at the Bible as what it really is, that, it's, that, that every word is God-breathed, that it's used for reproof and rebuking and changing and shifting me inside, that it's sharper than a two-edged sword, it's alive and active, that it's not just the written word, but when it's spoken, it changes and it's the same, that it's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but when I speak the word of God over my life, And if you've never done this, I'm telling you, you're missing a power switch that comes on through his Holy Spirit because it goes from the word logos in the Greek to the word rhema, R-E-E-R-H-E-M-A, rhema. And it's power, it means revelation or active and it's spoken word. And that becomes a seed. When I speak the word of God over my children, it's a seed and I'm faithful with it. It's a seed and when it, whatever leaves my lips has power and I'm gonna show you that in a second. But when it's the word of God that I'm believing, then it changes something. Y'all look at this. He said, this is Jesus, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom, and what we've been talking about for a few weeks now, the kingdom is a mystery and people don't understand it and and their eyes are blinded and and they're frustrated and they hear us and they say, y'all are crazy. Y'all believe all this nonsense. You start yelling during worship. You don't even feel like yelling. This is craziness. It's because it's a mystery. It's secrets. But for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see. Listen, this is what Jesus said. And hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is, y'all read that last line? One more time. The seed is the word of God. And the reason that people truly see the Bible for just a history book is because that is what they've been given eyes to see right now. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing. Do y'all know the next part? The Say it one more time. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the, the word. This is crazy, but did y'all know that you can't hear the word unless someone spoke the word? Uh, this is like, y'all look at me like, are you for real? Like, y'all know this, right? You cannot hear the word unless someone spoke it. I play my, it's the other one. That was my wallet. I play the Bible app on my phone. I need y'all to know why. One, I like for people to read to me like it's my mama when I was five years old. Someone needs to talk to me in this place. But the other reason is because there's power. I'm about to jump off this. There's power in the spoken word of God. Because faith comes not by reading it, but by hearing and hearing the word of God. You have the seed of God in you, and you have the word of God in front of you. If you've got a smartphone, you've got the word. And when you speak the word, it is a powerful seed that goes on to people and into people, and they hear it. And we're silent. We're silent. We do not give what we believe about Jesus near as strongly as what we believe about all these other stupid, wasteful things. And forgive me for saying stupid, ignorant, wasteful things. I do not apologize for saying ignorant. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because that's what we are. That's where we are. We want to give our opinion on our team. That's awesome. I do too. I have fun. But if I fight you over my team, what am I, for real? Those cats are 18 to 22. I love young people. Like, I, love, I for real, I wasn't joking about that part. But like, I'm not, but they're, like, for real, I'm not going to fight because your team's better than my team. Fighting. We lose our minds over who we're voting for, and they're both corrupt. Corrupt. 
Don't fight for them. Vote for them, whoever. And I've not seen but a small handful of people that will actually take the written word of God, the seed, the hope of glory in Jesus Christ, and stand up and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't care what comes against me. I don't care what this world has to say. I don't care about political correctness because my political correctness is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the government is on his shoulder. And as for me and us, this is my house. I need you to know that you're my brothers and sisters because we were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And so as for us, we will not be politically correct in their terms. We will be politically correct in kingdom terms. And I will not sit silent any longer. And the people that want to come against us and say, you shouldn't show up to those schools and see 185 people show up on a Friday morning at DR Hill. I tell them I love you with the love of the Lord and I understand you're a lost person acting like a lost person, so we're not going to hate you for being lost. We're going to love you and show you the love of Jesus. But as for the church that won't stand up, then you sit as a sideline opponent to what God is about to shift. But I'm telling you, we're wasting our seed. Here's the next one. I'm preaching up in here today. Our words, the Bible says, and I love this verse, and I'm going to preach it a little more in our next series, Repeat the Sounding Joy, our Christmas series. Y'all already need to get excited because it's going to be crazy. But it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love to talk and love to use our tongues, to use words that are constant, just whatever comes to our minds. I am guilty, okay? This is what I do. Instead of processing, I just run my mouth and I gossip and I say things. And the Lord catches me all the time because whatever is in my heart, the overflow of it comes out in my mouth and through my tongue. Because the Bible says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what people are eating, the fruit that they're eating is the seed that I have been distributing out through my mouth. There is power and weight in your words. We should never waste our words. We should never speak things because if this is true, and I believe the Bible, does anybody else in here believe the Bible? Then there's death in our tongues. And we're putting curses over people a lot of times that we speak and we think, oh, it's just flipping, it's no big deal. That's a big deal to me. And I'm going to give you all a lot more with that as we go on. But I'm telling you, we're wasting our seed. And then the church, you are seed. Because if you're in Christ, this is what Paul said in Galatians 3, you're of Abraham's seed. We sing that song when we were little kids. If y'all grew up in church, y'all know the Father Abraham had many sons, many and I am one of them. So let's just praise the Lord. Right, all right, we're going to stop. Come on, y'all. Participation. Praise the Lord. That's, that seemed weird for a long time, right? Because I'm not Jewish. And so I thank God is what I'm telling y'all because I like pig. But tell me y'all to get that later. You can tell your kids if they don't know. But we are in his offspring now. Why? Because we're heirs of the promise through one person. And I'm about to show you that, and it's the best part of the seed that we have. We were bought and purchased by the most valuable seed that's ever been given. It's the person of Jesus. But individually, listen, every drop of blood that he shed was seed for you. 
Drops of blood did not get wasted with Jesus. He was not like Onan, where he just wasted his seed everywhere he went. When he spoke words, they were for us today, not just for them at that time. And when he shed his blood, he became sin. Did not sin, but became sin so that I could have the right to be his son. And to have a joint heir or, or legacy with him and to leave a mark, an imprint that is a God-like imprint because I am made in his image. I am his son. It's unbelievable if you stop and think about it. This is the most important seed and we're wasting him. Because, because earlier in chapter 3, this is what it says, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring, the Jewish people, God's chosen people, but they, but they went away from God. It did not say to the offsprings, plural, and all of us could be included. Listen, I want y'all to hear this because I didn't even get this until just now. We call ourselves all kinds of things in this country. Anglo-American, African-American, Mexican-American. Like we have all these things. You know what you are? Follower of Jesus. Because there's not many different seeds. There's not many different. It's one. When you follow Jesus, it's one. I don't care. Listen, this is going to offend some of you, and I'm thankful that it does if it does. I don't care who my daughter marries. Black, Hispanic, all other things. Except for one thing. Do they know Jesus? That is the one seed that I want to make sure that they know. And if that offends you, and you would want white person, a white person to marry your kid that does not know Jesus, then racism is blowing up inside of you and you're wasting the seed that Jesus died for you. Because that is the point, everybody. Who cares what color they are if they were bought with the blood of Jesus? Because inside of them, it's truth and justice and prevailing hope through Jesus. But we don't believe that. We just have this knowledge of Jesus in our head. I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's good. Offspring, referring to many, but, but he's referring to one. And his name, the offspring of who we are, the hope that we have in us, the reproduction that should take place in me, the image that I was made in. And even though I was born from Ken and Loretta, I was born again when I trusted Jesus when I was 16 years old and I was on a mission trip and I knew all this thinking head knowledge, y'all. I could quote books of the Bible, every single one of them front and back. I, could, I, I think at that time in my life I could quote 500 scriptures and I was full and fat of knowledge. But I did not have an eruption of my spirit inside of me through the person of Jesus Christ that came in and saved me. And I made him Lord by saying, God, I'm no longer the boss. You're the boss. You're the Lord of my life. And so as a result, my whole life up till that point, I looked like a good little Christian kid, but I was lost as a ball in tall grass is what we used to say growing up. Somebody, if you know what I'm talking about, say amen. Three of you know, praise the Lord. And this is what I want you to see. And this is the story. This is the story, and this is what I believe the crisis of our country is today. Because I just need y'all to know, people that are lost are lost. Like, I don't know what it is about the church that we crucify lost people. They don't know Jesus! They go, that's what they do! People that don't know Jesus are supposed to act like Jesus. Why does it bother me so bad and everybody else just hates on Hollywood? 
I hope Hollywood gets saved, but the hope for their salvation is godly people that will use their seed and not waste it and throw it everywhere and just say, it's all about me. They act lost. Woo! Surprise. You're their hope because you have Jesus in you and he's the true hope. I'm, a sower went out and sowed seed and some seed fell along the path and birds came and devoured them. And still other seeds fell on rocky ground. I need you to know that the path or the ground represents heart. Because we try to change minds. And listen, I'm going to preach that and I'm going to keep preaching that. Because mind is what the enemy attacks, but heart is what he hopes it never hits. Do I need to repeat that? Because that's a word. Mind is what the enemy will always attack, but heart is what he hopes the true seed, the written word of God, the person of Jesus Christ never hits. Because if the true seed ever hits your heart, a shift takes place. Does that mean hardship doesn't come? My gosh, no. It's much harder sometimes. But a change begins to take place in my life, and I feel pulled like a shepherd with that hook when the sheep gets off path. I'm going to get off path sometimes, y'all. We like sheep have all gone astray is what the Bible says, but my shepherd pulls me back in. Why? Because he loves me, and he's leading me on a path of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm not the point. He's the point. And so... Whenever the seed hits rocky ground, our hearts, or is just, just laying there on the ground and doesn't take hold because we've heard it, but we only hear it here, we don't receive it in here, the enemy comes to devour it or take it away. Mark chapter 4 is a parallel passage, and it actually says Satan, the enemy, comes to steal the seed. Where they had not, excuse me, where they did not have much soil, I believe this is the problem in the church, y'all. We are fat with information. But as far as what we're truly rooted in, the Holy Spirit of God is what we're supposed to be rooted in. We are not deep in Him. So we may read the Bible for four hours a day and be able to quote you everything that we can quote you, but I have intimacy and a love relationship with Christ? Nope. That's not what I'm after. I just need Him to give me what I need so that I can do my thing and go through the motions. And as a result, we have very shallow roots. We got soil everywhere in the southeast because, quote-unquote, this is the Bible Belt. Although if you don't see it, I see it. That's changing rapidly. Are y'all with me in this place? And it says, since they had no depth in their hearts. But when the sun rose, y'all, is this not the church? When the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they did not have roots, they withered away. And then this is a lot of us and the truth of the matter is, thorns will always come in your life because it's, it's sin and things. Think about, think about um, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Let us throw off the weight and the junk and the sin that entangles us. That is a crazy picture of this right here, right? The thorns in our life. And fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who with the joy set before us endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is now seated on the right hand of God. But... For many of us, when the thorns come in our life, sin and difficulties and problems and anxieties and all these different kinds of things, the seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. And so what was something that felt like life and a heartbeat felt like it had hit and the seed actually hit my heart in the Word of God is wasted because I allow my circumstances to dictate who I am and, and do not understand or I will not speak out or I will not trust or y'all remember the beginning of the message 
We're not worship through those difficulties to say this is a participation sport, God, and I don't understand the thorns in my life, and I didn't even choose them. I, I fell into them, or, or I'm struggling through them, or that sickness is not a sickness that I wanted, but I need you to know that that sickness is not a sickness unto death, but life is about to come to your house, and this is the deal. If I allow that to dictate who I am, then I'm letting the thorns win. I'm not believing God to be greater than the junk in my life. And I'm wasting the seed that God has given me that is powerful and active. And other seed fell on good soil. Everybody say good soil. And produce grain or reproduce the fruit that it's supposed to make. And some had 160 and 30 fold return. Pastors sometimes use this and say, see, when you give, you'll have a hundredfold. We don't get to choose that. God chooses that because he is, the, he is the supplier. We're the distributor of the seed. And then it says something really interesting. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And when I hear, I can't just hear to get information, but I have to have impartation. Now, y'all listen to this. I'm not being inappropriate, but I need you to hear it. Pregnancy doesn't take place because procreation with a male and a female happens. It takes place when it actually hits one to another. If y'all know what I'm talking about, just shake your head at me if you don't want to talk because it's awkward. He's talking about sex, right? And I feel like we think that going through the motions is what this looks like. And so we participate sort of. And we go through the motions and what feels like godliness and what feels like being faithful with his seed but it's no different than how we've treated sex in this world. It's a joke on TV. It's a joke in society. It's a joke if you're not before you're married, even though God has called us to be faithful to my wife, even if I'm not married, that I am to be a husband of one wife, and she is the only person that I'm ever supposed to lay with. That is the picture. The reason that marriage is so important is because I am the groom and she is the bride, and you are the bridegroom and Christ is your groom. And we have, we have wasted seed all over this world. And we laugh about it and we ridicule people that are not wasting seed, saying Tim Tebow's just a goody two-shoes and he's just faking it. I got news for the media. I think that dude is for real. And I think there's some for real cats that are standing up. I got just a couple minutes. I got to tell y'all this. This is what story comes to my mind in this right here. If y'all don't know this story, look it up. The prodigal son. This is what I think is interesting about the prodigal. He's in the pig pen after he has wasted his inheritance. Now listen. Let's say he got a million dollars and he was like 19 and he was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And he goes and spends it all and then he's desperate and lonely the father is the representation of God in Luke chapter 10. I think it's so fascinating that the father is just pacing, waiting on his son to come home, not remembering his past sins, choosing to not remember, but waiting with open arms for him to come home. Here's the problem that I think the church has is we don't see ourselves as that brother. We see ourselves as the righteous brother. But the righteous brother is what I find the most devastating, I think. Because the righteous brother wasn't out on a search mission to find his brother. He was at home with his arms folded saying, how dare he act like such an idiot. Do y'all know that if you're lost, you're lost and you don't even realize it until the Spirit of God hits your heart and it, and it wakes you up and it shakes you in your core? 
This is what I find so interesting about the story and why it ties in so well with this, y'all. When he came home, their father, if you're a Christian, you have a father who is God, who saves you through your big bro, Jesus. Like, this is nuts. It's amazing that he loves us. And yet there are people on the sidelines who are brothers in arms with their arms folded. <laughs> did you see who came today? I know what she did yesterday. Mm-hmm. Every time the Pharisees were mentioned in the Bible, it feels like they had rocks in their hands ready to stone someone. I caught them doing this. I caught them doing Jesus, this woman was committing adultery. We caught her in the very act. What do you say, Jesus? I think it's because we're so worried that our brother who is lost might actually be found and loved. And even though with our mouths we say that we're about people that are lost, with our actions and our lifestyles, with our actual verbiage with people that we know best, with, with what comes out of my mouth in life and death and the power of my tongue, I hate people and the fruit is what they're eating because I, I wouldn't dare pray for somebody that is that filthy and vile because how dare they? Can I just tell you that somebody prayed for you? Somebody prayed for you. I was so proud, y'all. And I've struggled with that. <clears throat> I struggled with that my whole life until the last few years. And it's only by the grace of God that I can look at myself in the light that I should really look at myself in and be so thankful for what I'm not anymore. And I don't care if you, listen to me, I don't care if you get the credit for the touchdown. I just want to score. And I want my brothers and sisters who are out there, who are made in God's image but haven't been reborn in, his, in the faith, to know him. And so instead of pointing at them and how awful they are, I'm pointing at you saying, are you folding your arms on the sidelines and wasting your seed like that brother was doing with gritted teeth? Because this is what I think is so fascinating about that story. Did you know that the younger brother who had wasted his inheritance never considered his older brother might be ticked off? He just knew that his father was waiting there with open arms and he said, I don't care what I get back. I don't care if I'm a slave. Make me one of your slaves. I just need to be in my father's house. And he said, slave, I'm putting my royal robe on you. I'm putting my ring on your finger. That's who I am. And that's what we need if we're not going to waste seed is we got to remember back to who we were and not what we think we've become. Because this country doesn't need someone that is really good to be their president. This country needs the king and a wake-up call. And do you know when the alarm rings for the wake-up call, you? You're the hope for this country. You're the hope for this world because you have the seed of Abraham who became Jesus inside of you if you're a follower of his. And instead of standing in a participation sport on the sidelines saying, y'all can yell and scream and worship all you want to, we get to participate with the King of Kings saying, I carry 
the hope of glory inside of me and every person that I touch, every person that I talk to, every place that I go, every word that I speak, everything that I do, not so that he loves me, but because he loved me first. I want to show the world that Jesus is the way and I will not judge them for what they are. God will judge them for what they are and whether or not they knew him. But I will love them and throw rope out and try to show them the love of Jesus and pull them with me. And when they're ready, I'm going to show them that the Father's arms are open by my arms being open to them. Because this is what the Bible says. Indeed, their case, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will hear, but never understand. Listen to this. And we'll see and never perceive. For the people's hearts that we see every single day, and I'm talking to some of you in this room that don't know Jesus, have grown dull and their ears can barely hear, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand in their hearts, not in their minds. Everybody that has ever heard anything can tell you things about Jesus. I am not interested in that. I need to know, has the Savior of the world leapt inside of your spirit because you've trusted Him in your heart and He has made all things new in your life? Not because of what you did, but because of what He did by dying on the cross, taking on sin, death, and hell, raising to life in, Jesus, in His own precious name. The Spirit of God raised Him up. And listen to me. He's ready to raise you up. You are dead in your sin, but he raises you to life. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And listen, it says they will understand in their hearts and I will heal them. The only healing that can possibly take place in your life that is truly a miracle first starts in your heart that is cold and far from God. I'm not interested in you if you were baptized when you were five. I'm not interested today and how much you know. I'm interested in one thing. Everybody look this way. I'm interested in one thing. Do you know that you know that you know that your heart that was hard, Ezekiel says it was hard as stone and he gives me a heart of flesh. He plows through that hard ground with his word and with his love for me that while I was still a sinner, he died for me. Have I received him is what I'm asking you to answer. I mean, truly, with, with my heart and soul, I've loved him back because he loved me first. And the seed that was shed was not just a person, but the death and the blood of Jesus. All he wants you to do is say, you're my Lord. I love you back, and I believe. And I'm just asking you today, this is the most important thing that you'll ever do. And I know that God told me that salvation was supposed to come today. I've sat heavy with this all week because of you. Some of you in this room, I don't care if you're serving, I don't care if you've been here for two years, or I don't care if today's the first time in months, years. This is for you. Will you bow your heads? Pastor Mark, it feels like you're talking straight to me, and I'm not going to let anything stop me. Today's the day of salvation for me. What is worth keeping you from new life and hope in Jesus. It's the starting point, but it is the greatest thing that will ever happen to you. Pastor, I want to be saved right here, right now. There will be many, I believe, but I need you to be the first one if that's you. If you feel God pulling on your heart and you want to confess that that is you and you want to be saved, throw your hand up right, right where you are. Come on, all over the room. Throw your hand up and say, Pastor, it feels like you're talking straight to me. Who is it in the room? Throw your hand up, say, that's me. I see you, buddy. Who else? Who else? Keep your hands up. That's me right now. That's me. That's me. I believe there's more. 
I want to give you a couple seconds. Pastor, that's me. That's me. I feel like you're talking straight to me and I want my heart to change. I don't want just a head knowledge, but I want my heart and life to change forever. I am so excited about the one young man that acknowledged that he wants to be saved today. I want y'all to know that it's really awesome and I'll celebrate later why, but can I finish with this? I'm going to pray in just a second, but I need y'all to hear this final word. Josh, will you put the final slide up? Y'all look on the screen. In Luke chapter 10, right before the prodigal's message, it says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, so we should pray to the Lord of the harvest to send us workers. Can I tell you what you are? Can I just speak life over this house? You are the answer to the world's prayers. The end of Matthew 13's passage that I read said, I will heal them. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then, then, everybody say then. Then, then I will hear. Then we will hear. Then they will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. The answer to this country's problems and this world's problems is you. You are the answer to prayers. It is time for us to rise up as a generation that will no longer look at this world and say, I'm wasting my seed and I'm doing my own thing and us rise up and say, I believe what God has spoken and I will stand up and as for me and all that I do, I will serve the Lord. I will follow you. I will be about with my lips and with my whole life about you. And God, I'm turning and I'm following you in everything that I do. I believe that most of you, if not all of you are Christians, but if we truly are, there will begin to be a reproduction that takes place and people will look at this house and say, what is going on? Something crazy's taking place. I need to know, is anybody in this place with me today? Come on, some. God, we believe you, we trust you, and we lift up your name. Lord, you are greater. You are greater. You are greater. We love you, Jesus. Everybody say amen.